Hello and welcome to the Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Nomad, and with us today is the meditating metalhead himself, Andy Rouse, host of the Deep Share Podcast. Andy, how are you, man? Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited we're able to do this finally. I heard you just had a sort of deluge of your your own studio. How's how's that going? It's going good, man. It's going good. I'm riding the waves. <laughs> I just <laughs> took it as abundance was flowing into my life, right? You just got to yep. take it positive. So yeah, lost a lot of shit. Studio got kind of wrecked. Uh, I've been rebuilding it. I'm in it right now, technically. It's just not set up or anything. I'm just running off the laptop now. So I apologize if my audio is kind of Nah. oh it's all good sounds sounds good but yeah everybody listening go and check out andy rouse at the deep share podcast give him some support so we can get his studio back in action <laughs> thanks man yeah yeah i'm gonna be um i'm booking now so like i was telling you like it's up and running again basically i'm getting there so with a lot of help and support from from this amazing community for sure i've been able to like keep my wits about me and just stay positive and keep going so new episodes coming soon for sure sweet well so what's been kind of the recent topics that's been on your mind lately oh man they range so wide too it's weird like i i wish i had like one fascination in the alternative world but it's just all of it man so i mean roots of creation my other show we've been like kind of slowed down and haven't been doing much but man behind the scenes we you know i've been looking into a lot of the old old languages old scandinavian mythology uh you know box saga things like that but then on the other hand of you know i'm always kind of going down my own psychedelic path even without psychedelics most of the time but uh just uh constantly contemplating weird consciousness ideas and everything constantly questioning yeah so I, i've heard you recently been talking a lot about this box saga which was new to me you're the first person i'd ever heard talk about that um would you mind giving us a little little taste of what that's about sure yeah and i think a taste is a good way to put it because it's hard to tell the whole thing it's even hard to like wrap it up in a nutshell so basically it's a it's a story um one story about one family, um, about one people, and it claims to be the original people of the earth, the original story of humankind. And of course, we've heard that so many times from around the world, from so many different religions, of course, claiming to have the answer to our origins. And even in Box Saga, the very beginning of it, the beginning of man, is a very bizarre supernatural if you will kind of tale just like any other religion is but where it gets really interesting is where their sound system comes from and their language comes from uh the what it suggests is that uh it was all based on phonetics it was a living language it was describing the human experience from the inside slowly outward to the external and the abstract. And this system of language seems to 
either on purpose or by like a vicious game of historic telephone has been twisted and turned and we have rev like remnants of this original root language everywhere in every modern language in every place you can look at country names and lineages and royalty all kinds of different places and you find this root language if you know what you're looking for. And it takes a long time to even wrap your head around this sound system and root language itself. I've been studying it for about seven, eight months now, and I'm still, I'm still in the weeds. It's still very difficult to kind of bring forward to a big audience, to be honest, unless you speak a Scandinavian language that's closer to it, you know? But this all takes place in uh, Finland, uh, originally um, the story is about catastrophe and and uh, triumph it's it's crazy it's like another any other kind of mythology but yeah when you get into the language used it's there's too many coincidences and that's what really freaks you out it's like it's as if this root language is what they're talking about in the story of the uh, tower of babel hmm. Interesting. So it was almost as if we were all one people. Boxaga claims we were all tropical colored. Uh, the whole earth was tropical. And then the first cataclysm happened. The first Ragnarok, which is weird because that, that carried over right into Norse mythology in modern times and, you know, our history and our ancient times. Um, but this Ragnarok, the Boxaga claims, was when the earth tilted on its axis. That before that point, there was a perfect paradise at the North Pole because the Earth was at this certain point not tilted on its axis and the sun from the North Pole's perspective would travel around 360, 24-7 perfectly. So everything would grow and thrive. So it was like a Garden of Eden kind of. We've heard this in other stories too about the North Pole even. Different names, different groups of people. So there's a lot there that is familiar, but it's almost like Occam's razor cutting off of all the fat that we've added from subjective opinion or misunderstanding of symbolism. But it's a lot deeper than that. But I'll leave it with you with that for now. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot that you just covered. That was a great synopsis. Um, a couple of things came to my mind as you were saying that. Yeah, yeah hippie. Yeah, like you were saying, we do sort of get remnants of this in our in our culture and in our history. The you know in the Bible it says the word was with God, the word was God. You know that's kind of what you're talking about with the sounds, and that's kind of maybe what pre-existed before our physical reality. Yeah, you hit on an interesting point there too, because even the folks that were very close to the last remaining member of this Bach family that passed this story down, um, they all talk about. Uh, vibration and frequency and sound resonance because mm -hmm. the the sound system itself like the box saga is is an oral tradition you have to pass it down orally or else it could very easily be subjected to pronunciation changes and all kinds of things that literally destroy that sound system uh so basically what i've come to theorize i guess about this root language is that at some point someone that knew it knew how to twist everything 
Mm. Maybe that's just my conspiracy minded negative attitude in my head, but my paranoia. But to me, it it feels very, uh, you know, hands on, man made. Um, yeah. And we all say that, you know, English seems very coded or people go into much more detail than that with all the word magic and the puns and, and the stuff. That's exactly like a, what Fox Dog is about. Yeah. When, you know, have it does seem like there is some sort of sinister motive behind the twisting of the words and languages we have now, because, you know, you look at the English language and there's so many words that that we say, just not even thinking about it, that actually mean, you know, something terrible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I and I hear people just saying these sayings all the time, like, oh, he killed it, you know, or things like that. Um, you know, good morning, but morning is like bad. It's like, you know, you're sad about something that happened. And there's lots yep. of examples of this where it's like, why are we using these words that seem to have a negative connotation with them? Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's super interesting. Another. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say another interesting point you brought up is about it being tropical everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've been contemplating a lot lately as well. Um, I shared on my last podcast with Emmanuel on the Goodness Over Darkness podcast that my dad had found. We live in the Pacific Northwest and my dad found this um, like this area with all of these fossilized palm trees like into the stone. You can see that they're like palms. Uh, in, embedded in the stone and so it, that's just another kind of point that we're able to see that yeah maybe this was a tropical area at one point and yeah. then and then also um, I've been recently studying Hebrew a little bit and looking that's into <laughs> certain words yeah it's super interesting but like the word season I can't find any proof of that having anything to do with weather it, it was always about like a different time or different um, like ceremonies and rituals. It wasn't really ever used as I've seen it to describe weather as we know it. So I just think wow. that's another kind of interesting point. It all, yeah, man, it's it's almost like, so another thing back to the box saga is, is that this box saga doesn't belong to some small group in, in Northern Europe that, or Scandinavia that that you know was close to it it belongs to the to all of us if we accept it if we like the, what this language is showing us because you can find examples everywhere we're just we've just been calling it word magic for a while and like the conspiracy community and everything you know a lot of people give good examples like the morning and you're waking up and all that you know some woman i can't remember her name but she does this long spiel and she goes through like a hundred of those and it, they all fit and they all have twisted reality. And they, so English seems to be a twisted version of what used to be uh, pure or something like or, that. Or, yeah, perhaps even inverted. Yeah, inverted. And here's what I've also learned is that the inversion tactics are not just like the bad guys. A lot of times inversion used to be used uh in order to, to signal one another, you know, from the rebellious side too, it really was not, this is, that's just the Hegelian dialectic working against us once again, to think that, you know, certain items or certain behaviors have to belong to like the bad guys or the good guys. We're all the same. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. I do think they sort of try to take things that are important and twist them so that we get a bad taste in our mouth and think they're evil. And so we don't look into it further. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm big on that with all the symbolism and everything that's, 
constantly thought of thought of as as evil or satanic. And something I like to often say, especially to my conspiracy-minded fellow humans, is that you know it's interesting to see people, you know, acknowledging how evil and connected to everything else the Catholic Church is, yet at the same time, most seem to adopt the same ideas about paganism and heathenism that the Catholic Church has told them to to uh, to include in their lives. You know, like the Catholic Church has demonized these ancient, you know, per perennial philosophies. Um, and somehow too many conspiracy minded people seem to at once know the Catholic Church is pretty fucking evil. But at the same time, go along with what they say about heathenism and paganism. It's a really strange conundrum in my head. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Meaning like um, the way that the Catholic Church sort of portrays like polytheism versus, you know, like a well, single God or. No, it's like more like in the conspiracy community, it's the Catholic Church, all of it's connected, the Pope, it's all evil. It's all actually satanic. They're hiding everything, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, they were the ones who like used to preach against paganism still do basically and tell you it's evil so it's it's kind of like this whole society being evil thing underneath it all yet so you don't really trust anything they say right most of the things they told us were bad were not bad so we looked into them and found out about them but for some reason the evil fucks are still saying that the paganism and all the symbolism is evil don't look at it it's all satanic and somehow so many people buy into it yet know that they're corrupt it's it doesn't match up in my mind you know what i mean yeah i think for me it's that uh i see you know what they often do uh is they take something that is true but they just pollute it a little bit so that they can actually control it it's the same thing with the symbols and uh, for me, I guess I've seen a lot of, you know, weird stuff on the Catholic Church. I, recently, the Pope just said, like, you shouldn't trust Jesus. Like, yeah. you know, like, and so it's like, to I me, I, I'm, yeah, I'm very much, uh, I think if anybody has been a good example on how to live uh, a kind life, a selfless life, it is Jesus. Absolutely. And so, yeah. and I think that what the, the Catholic Church, yeah, I think what the Catholic Church does is they make it so, you know, they say like sort of, they sort of one God, but I think it's also kind of shifting away from that. It seems like they are going towards this more, you know, uh, open dialect about different entities and stuff. However, um, I think their main purpose has always been that you need to go through the father, their father. You need to go through their pope. You need to be going through man instead of finding divinity on your own, which is what Christ was all about. He's all about having that relationship with God. Um, the Bible, the Bible even talks about, you know, not using the term father for a, like earthly person. Like that term is sort of reserved for God. And Jesus always referred to God as the father. And right. so I think it's interesting. I think they just twist it just a little bit. And so it, it seems like it's the right path, but it's really just sort of diverting your attention from actually communicating and having that relationship with God. Oh, That's I totally opinion, agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And so I guess to refine what I was saying, and I think it kind of needs to be sussed out by a back and forth anyway. For sure. um, so for a long, 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 long time, 
the afterlife, heaven, Jesus, God, all of it, it, whether or not some of it is fundamentally truth and, and inherently good, um, definitely used by the Catholic church to lord over us and keep us, you know, hoping for that next life, distracted from this one, uh, living drudgerous lives because the, the, the main goal was to get to the next one and you have to obey, you know, all that. And yes, they did exactly what you said. They took away from finding your own divinity. You could only find it through the church. So for a long time, that was their stranglehold. But we've grown up, you know, so, you know, they can't use that simple thing against us anymore. So now they see that they have to kind of like the whole rejection of Jesus in your life, that thing that the Pope did to me. Yeah, that seems to me like because the Catholic Church has always been fucking evil and always has lied and has never and they're into atheism and all that kind of shit. So, man, it's just hard to kind of word, I guess. It's just like they're bad. Everybody knows they're bad, yet we believe what the bad guys say about the symbolism because they use it and we associate them with the symbolism that is inherently just kind of built into the fabric of nature. And I think that's probably in some cases where I get taken by some people into the territory of, well, even nature is within the God of this world's territory. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that when all of nature around me is evil and it's inherently owned by the devil, because therefore that to me sounds like exactly what the devil, the elites do to us constantly surround us by fear with illusion and fake distraction and horrors and fears. So to me, that sounds like the ultimate psyop right there. Yeah, I think for me, it's, you know, we're not supposed to love this world as we are. I think there was a sort of falling out, which I think relates kind of back to the box saga of like, sort of before we entered into this dimension or this reality, this realm, we were in a higher plane of existence but because of we always have free will, right? So I think there's that opportunity to sort of oscillate back and forth. And because of decisions made in our past or um, our lineage, even we were we ended up here where we are now. But I think we always have the opportunity to grow to the next level. And I think what happens is if we get stuck in this reality, in this realm, and we seek, you know, man to give us the answers and we're only going to man to sort of confess and we're not looking to evolve our spirit and we actually put more weight on our physical reality i think mm -hmm. that's the psyop in my opinion because it's 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 a lot of um distractions that come with that and prevent us from growing our spirit even more and so like i think jesus is the ultimate example of that because he didn't let you know fear of what was going to happen to his earthly body stop him from doing what he knew his spirit needed to do i completely agree yeah go on if you have more yeah i mean i i see this a lot with you know people who claim to be you know christians or whatever but then they get all up in arms you know i gotta have my guns i gotta do all this i gotta go fight the enemy and i think that that is sort of a trap in a way because it's you're not having faith that things are going to work out you're you're letting <laughs> that that carnage take a hold of you and instead of just letting your spirit go and say hey whatever happens i'm not going to have blood on my hands you know 
that's kind of how I've come to live at things and learn to pray for my enemies. That's like, it's very hard to do, but it's really revolutionized my life and gave me more peace than I would have ever had trying to fight every problem. Absolutely, man. You know, the whole love thy enemy thing. It's, 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 everybody has adopted that, that really understands the path. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it, from, for me, it was psychedelics that kind of woke me up years and years ago. And my experience was that of total unity with everything. Um, you know, it wasn't just my body that was a piece of nature. And, you know, it was everything about me was written into this world and vice versa. Everything in this world was from my, from everything from me. And I know that that experience has, has happened to many, 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 many people. Some people get the God complex and they think, oh my God, I'm the only one here. The Truman Show effect, you know? But I think it's much more complex and confusing than that. Yeah, I agree. You know, with many, many, many people having that same kind of experience, uh, that would seem like, of course, it leads us to that creepy thing that a lot of people don't like to hear, the idea that we are all our own gods. Because, of course, that completely pisses off a lot of Christians in particular, because that's, you know, first commandment shit, you know, don't worship anybody but the jealous God, which to me, and this, of course, I'm going to go off on a total tangent, but uh, yeah, please do. that jealous God can't be the real God. And I don't even think the Bible is suggesting that. I think, the, and I know this isn't, isn't really what we were talking about, but oh, yeah. No, it's whatever we're talking about. We're talking whatever about, we're talking about is whatever we're talking about, right? <laughs> but yeah, to me, the God of the Old, especially the Old Testament, of course, the only one that they mention, as you said, in the New Testament is the Father. When Jesus mentions him, there is no mention of Yahweh in the New Testament. Yahweh was an old God because he wasn't God. He wasn't source. He wasn't this holy father of creation and all that. He was kind of a fraud, in my opinion, because he claims to be omnipotent or we we know him to be omnipotent. Right. But yet he's asking, where are you in the garden when Adam's hiding? It's like, well, why do you have problems with like, you know, geographic positioning of your of your humans? You only got two of them, man. So <laughs> that's just the tip of the iceberg. There. <laughs> yeah, I think people would probably argue with that, that it was more of a rhetorical question, like seeing, you know, if they would actually come out and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think it was necessarily <laughs> like I didn't know where they were. I think he was just like... <laughs> Like, bro, like you can't hide from me. Like, where, where well, are you? And, and he always gives he always gives us a choice, you know. So it's not like he's not gonna just give like do everything uh, puppeteering. I think he likes to give us a choice and everything because that's part of this dynamic reality and and existence that we have. And mm -hmm. I think there is. I, I've always I have questioned that before too. Of like maybe there is maybe that was a false god that we hear about in the Old Testament, and it was a sort of. Um, more of a demiurge character. I, I have thought about that and I haven't looked into it too much and I want to get more into the specific wording that's been used, you know, in the New Testament yes. versus the Old Testament. Different but, translations um, for sure. At the like, same for instance, time, you know, okay, go ahead. Oh, I mean, I, I've looked at many translations and in most cases, it's hard to get wrap your head around he has become as one of us. 
after he after Adam eats of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. Is this Yahweh speaking? And to who? Right. And who is us? Equal yeah, to it, the one speaking clearly. Yeah. So that's they, that's they uh, that's very telling. Yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. I and I I go back and forth on this of like, you know, if if we because where was I to consult when the world was made, right? It's like of course. That's a question that comes to me often. That's from the book of Job. <laughs> and yeah. um I love that verse because it is. It's like, you know, when people try to claim that like, oh, maybe I am the creator of this reality. And to some extent, I think we're sort of co-creators. I think I think God wanted this dynamic system where we're working with him to create things and he has a perfect plan and a permissible plan. And so, or a permiss, a perfect will and a permissible will. So there are things that, you know, if we're working with him on his plan, then that's going to be his perfect will and things are probably going to work out a lot better. But when we start to think that we are gods and we try to do things against what he's saying, that's when all this chaos starts to ensue. Right. And here's the thing. It's like a very fine line between hubris and like this holy path, because mm. the idea like uh, Emmanuel and I talk about this a lot. Uh, Emmanuel sees the Christ as like this. This concept almost that is bestowed upon one who can go through death and come back like uh, you know, psychological ego death and everything. Uh, so we connect that a lot into it and kind of bring it back down to a little bit more of a human level sometimes. Um, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. So I guess uh, for me, what would you say, you said you had some sort of enlightening uh, moments on psychedelics. Would you mind going into that a bit more and kind of Sure. what what you experienced have you ever have you ever encountered any entities when on psychedelics just one presence and i was comfortable calling it god i like to use that word no matter whose company i'm in when this happened to me most of my friends and i considered ourselves agnostic at least if not atheists you know and uh, when this happened to me it changed everything of course um, so I comfortably used God around them, even if I didn't believe that it was some bearded man from the Christian Bible or anything, I understood that this is what that transcendental experience of God always was. It's like, oh, okay, now I get it. They had these, these experiences and they built a belief structure around them. The only problem is the mind that comes you come back from the ecstatic experience and you have to explain it with the thinking human mind. So that's why none of us come back and tell the truth. We all come back and we come real close to it, but it's always just enough off that just multiplicity occurs over time. And uh, so my experience with God was this overwhelming sensation of of love of course like you hear it a lot the unconditional love it's true it's weird and it's unique it's a feeling that you can't replace with anything else and uh my voice came back to me but i i didn't take that in the way that i am god it's not like that i took it as 
this is the vessel that's being communicated. That's that is the communicator. That is the voice that's been in my head my whole life. That is the voice that's going to message this to me or whatever. I just took it like that. And it was saying everything always has been, always will be, and is forever okay. It's always going to be okay. And it was just this reassuring. And of course, the word okay was like a soft replacement for everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything is more than you can ever imagine. It's wonderful. Don't have to worry. And and this is this has inspired me to look into near-death experiences and outer body experiences because they match my experiences from psychedelics and so many other people's from psychedelics so much. So when I started to look into philosophy from these experiences, I just got right into religion and, and theology because it's dripping with this experience. As Ramdas once said in one of his books, as soon as you have it, you want to run down the church aisles screaming and singing the good news to all the people that are just there hearing about an experience of God instead of experience because it's been strangle held by the one at the front. But you, and most of the time, of course, they haven't had it either. Right. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's unbelievable that as you know, the Gnostic Gospels suggest that Jesus possibly had said, move a, a grain of or a piece of wood and I'm there, you know, move a stone and you'll find me. The kingdom of God is not in a mil building made of stone or, or, or wood. That whole spiel, all of that was coming to me in those trips. Like, you know, I read that kind of stuff in Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code and stuff. And like found out about the Gnostic Gospels and was like a pothead. So I was kind of curious about stuff, but I had never looked into any of it. And when these experiences hit me, every little piece of evidence and hint throughout my life was just beckoning me and just going, look, it's, and, and then it was the phase of, you've got to be kidding me. You No, it can't all be this obsession with a fucking perturbed state of consciousness. We got fucked up and we were so obsessed with it that we created religions around it. And of course, that's a really cruel way of saying it, but I'm just being funny about it. But really, it's this ridiculously simple, down-to-earth, human, inside-of-you, deep-down experience that we can all connect to. And yeah, that, that, that kind of sums it up, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that gets back to seek and you shall find, you know, when your intention is truly to understand and you're truly looking for source, I think you are able to sort of pick out the the bits of truth from all of these different aspects that you just mentioned, like, you know, Catholicism, Gnosticism, it's all uh, there. even atheism, you know, you're able to find the truth in it when you're truly seeking and having Dude, that atheism. Atheism is the best way to learn about the physical world, because if you're not thinking about god you can learn all the boring mundane laws and and learn all of it and understand what's going on on this low dense level of understanding and then if you learn about all the other shit on top of it it's like okay it all fits together it's all real and it's all happening it's just on many different planes of existence 
But yeah, I think another thing my psychedelic experiences gave me, which still haunts me and puts me at odds with like many people that I love, even in the, this crazy open-minded community, is that part of my research has taken me kind of back around the other way, not to atheism, but to a just that there's more questioning that needs to be done, at least from me, uh, into what any of our ancients were really, were really talking about when they were talking about something beyond and after this. And I don't mean to be downtrodden or negative or think that we just end or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I, I often wonder because of my psychedelic experiences, because I was still in my very 3D room while experiencing all these other dimensions of reality, I was still within this reality. I was still in the conscious mind. I really wonder if they were ever talking about beyond conscious death. And I, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not trying to be the down, the downing guy, you know, trying to put everything like in a negative spin. But I just wonder if if our our sacred words are really talking about something beyond this or if they're describing all of these unbelievable things that are right under our nose in this amazing place at this amazing moment that we're completely unaware of. Because if psychedelics taught me anything, it's that everything is happening right now and we don't see basically almost any of it and, and most of it feels like magic when we get anywhere near it yeah no i think that's a good point i mean i'm i'm convinced that a lot of the ancient depictions that we see on walls and carvings and um places like i believe it's the hathor uh temple in egypt there's a lot of these different temples and pyramids and stuff that have all of these great um, hieroglyphics and carvings where they're depicting these crazy things and a lot of times or at least i've seen many um, examples where they will have like mushrooms around the similar things that they're talking that they're depicting so mm -hmm. i think there is definitely credence to that and um, personally you know I've, I've talked about my experience quite a lot but i've had an experience where i came face to face with this serpent that was you know floating in my apartment just like straight there very vivid i could see all the details i was cognitive enough to understand what was happening um and there's a lot of history behind especially in the americas it used to be called amaruka which meant land of the feathered serpent and yep. i th they have all these depictions of the serpent and stuff and i think that they were probably experiencing the same thing that i experienced and so well, i think there's a lot of a lot of weight to that that's awesome. I love that because again, we're talking about these many different uh, levels of reality that are happening all at once. Because many times my biggest confusion came from something like that. Like something could be happening on a metaphysical level that many talk about, but at the same time, we have historical records of something happening on a very human earthly level that matches that story as well. Not necessarily to be a psyop to cover up the metaphysical part but the the physical history is among our many lost histories as well you know like this plumed serpent right this this was quetzalcoatl this was right. Kotlkan, this was viracocha these are all these gods 
in Mesoamerica that, oddly enough, match all the characteristics of the gods of the Persian Gulf and all of our modern religions. So, weirdly enough, these metaphysical principles that do happen in, in archetypes will come to us in metaphysical states. And it also matches certain aspects of physical history as well. Not because one is copying the other or one is a psyop, but because reality is a Russian doll and everything is fractal. Blah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, and I am—I was just looking up, and I think it is the Temple of Hathor. You guys can look that up if you want. Um, but yeah, there's depictions of what are clearly mushrooms. And when you go inside of the temple, um, you can see that they have a similar-looking serpent to the one that I saw. So I think it's very much the same thing that's still going on today when you sort of access those realms of reality. And my experience was very much, you know, it was offering me wisdom and knowledge of things that I couldn't possibly dream of, you know, that was what it was, was telepathically communicating to me. And I rejected it because I did grow up in the church and it sounded very familiar to me to what was, you know, the first. I was going to say. Down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I've heard other stories of people who have had like alien um, visits where they were offering the same thing. It wasn't necessarily a serpent, but it was a different entity, but it had the same agenda. And so, and usually what came after that was they asked for a sacrifice. They're like, okay, well, what do you, who are you going to sacrifice essentially? Um, and so, yeah, I didn't go down that route, but I imagine if I would have been down, that would have been the next question. Dude. So you hit me with something that reminded me of something Terrence McKenna talked about uh, describing his DMT trips with the, uh, you know, uh, self-transforming machine elves. I'm not sure if you're familiar right. with that. Yeah. Okay. So he once talked about them offering up gifts and saying, look at this and look at this and look at this. And it's interesting because like, you know, for many, I would say the devil gets them in Hollywood and stuff like that on materialism. But how does it how does the devil get people like us? What's what's something that can drag us in intellectual prowess? Right. And like, exactly. It knew exactly what I wanted. It wasn't it knew, right. I, it knew I specifically not to use fame. Right. I remember having that specific thought when I was having this experience. I was like, you're specifically not not offering fame which is the right. typical sort of story you hear from famous people when they say i i sold my soul to the devil right you know, we we hear that throughout history i mean it's it's a common thing so i want some government secrets instead yeah exactly <laughs> it was it was you know, like you know i can show you how to warp reality and like you know like yeah, yeah check out this -gravity, FOIA you know. uh, gateway project check this out oh yeah FOIA got our he got the oh, we couldn't do anything about it you people are just so powerful over us we had to give up these documents. Here you go. It just gives up all our secrets about metaphysics and everything. No big deal. You ever? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Have you heard about that? The no. Gateway Project? Well, uh, process not, the, the, not, process. The, not the Stargate. Uh, this is something different. So the Gateway Process was a CIA document that was dated. I think it was like. 1984 1983 something like that okay. or maybe late 80s but it was like released in 2006 from foia so foia got it released and 
what's weird about it is that it basically gives away all of the CIA's findings on this man, Robert Monroe's work into astral travel and how, and it gives you instructions on how to do step one through step a thousand, which being, you know, create your own defense base in the other dimension and all this kind of stuff. And like, hmm. I've always been really suspicious of FOIA documents that are big and juicy and get, get leaked and everything because it, to me, just feels like them leading us somewhere, you know? Meanwhile, I'm very metaphysical about stuff and I really love that kind of that information because of my psychedelic experiences have really shown me that once again, all that crazy shit is somehow real, but why are they giving up the ghost? I never understand that. This revelation yeah. method thing doesn't seem to add up to me all the time. I, I don't know. What's your take on that? Well, I have a interesting take on the whole psychedelics in general. And there's a passage in Enoch where it talks about the fallen angels coming and teaching man how to break down uh, uh, stems and, and uh, break down vines and like these different ways of sort of communicating with them is how I see it. I think that they were putting thoughts in, in their mind of how to make certain things, right? People often ask, well, how did, how did they figure out how to do ayahuasca out of all these millions of different combinations that it takes, right? And they always say they were told by the plants. And, and I think what that was is people, because I, I, I'm a firm believer that these entities and this other reality can sort of project thoughts into us. And so I think that they were guiding people and showing them how to do it. And right. so that so that they could actually communicate on a level that we would understand more because then we're able to be manipulated easier. Right. If it's just a sort of abstract thought in your head, it's a little bit harder to have control of someone. But if you can physically put an image in front of them, that's going to carry more weight. It's the same thing with channels on TV, right? If they want to channel propaganda to you, it's going to make a lot more of an impact if they can show you a war video or something versus just, you know, a thought. And so I kind of have this theory that that's what it is. It's like, I think God can use anything to communicate with us. And so, you know, for me, I, I did draw closer to God after my psychedelic experiences, but I don't think that that necessarily negates the possibility of these maybe lower lower frequency entities trying to more manipulate us um and i think one kind of interesting tidbit on this is that it seems like they tried to push psychedelics almost too early like um you know we had the 70s we had all this hippie movement and mm -hmm. people were just all lovey-dovey we don't want war but I, so i think they sort of like cut back on it because that's the direction that people were taking but now that I think that they can control it more because everyone's in front of a screen, I think they're going to start pushing it more because they'll be able to actually manipulate people better, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, uh, it's taken me a while to come around to how psychedelics could be used uh, free range against us. Like, I get how it can be, you know, manipulation when you're in direct contact with people trying to manipulate you. But yeah, it's taken me a while to realize like, okay, this is how it's connected to the metaverse because, you know, propaganda is going to be that much more extreme and, and more suggestive to the human mind, possibly if people are just microdosing constantly. But it's weird too, because while I do 
accept that that is a possibility and totally going to probably be real on some level. At the same time, microdosing or high level, there's just so much self-transformation. And there's so many people being led away from anything these controllers would want. The passivity idea, I get. Like making people more docile, more, you know, okay, you're against war, but you're all love and freedom. And so you're, it's a conundrum. You don't know what to do because you want to put a flower in a gun. You don't want to shoot the guy with a gun. So it's an easy way to manipulate people. I do understand that part, but yeah, the, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people that experienced psychedelics, uh, that had transformative experiences that have gone away from the system, have become more independent, uh, have learned more about themselves. Maybe that's in the minority. I don't want to think that though. I would like to think that most people have had, or not most, because I know there's plenty of adverse reactions from people that shouldn't have taken it or, or whatever, but it's, you know, I've heard bad trip stories from meditation too. You know, my friend who's, he might as well be a friggin' yogi at this point. He just, he does this with his own mind with no psychedelics, you know, and, and those are a lot of the stories you hear. And again, the connection to near death experiences and everything we had, we, we have to kind of stay on the level that the entire friggin' world, including nature, the death process itself is all against us and controlled. It, to me anyway, if we think that psychedelics are really kind of this agent, you know what I mean? Because again, it, this same experience crosses into the independent realm of me and my own mind doing it on our own. So the, in that case, the whole damn thing's the matrix, right? It has to be. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's definitely source that's still a part of all of us. I think we have access to the creator. Um, and I think that it's it's definitely I'm not saying that psychedelics are like bad inherently. I think they just they can be used by by God. They can be used by by people that wish harm. Like I know I know people who have had like serious depression and like it pretty much just took it away like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's definitely good that can come out of these. But things. Quite the opposite, too. I've, I've had an experience yeah. with a good friend, the type of guy that just probably shouldn't have never dabbled with psychedelics, you know, mm -hmm. he's just kind of a pent up kind of guy. And yeah, he had one real bad experience and he just closed off more. You know what I mean? So right. it's not, not the hopium that some people would, would say it is. Of course not. It's just the truth. It's just a mirror of you and this crazy fucking world for sure. <laughs> At yeah. least on one level. It's super interesting. I think that, uh, there will have, have you landed on, whether or not you do think there's something after this then after this existence, or are you still kind of questioning? I know for me, that used to be what I dreamed of. I'm like, I, bro, I just want this to be done when I'm done. Like that used to be what I dreamed of. I used to really struggle with depression. So for okay, me, fair. I was like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go through this anymore, you know, but I've totally shifted my mind and mentality. The more I meditate and the more I get rid of all of the programming that I've been taught from everyone. And I just really, I really just go internal and try to get close to that source like I was talking about. And, you know, for me, Jesus was a huge part in getting to that point. And I think that he has been the best example that I have found 
um, on how to find peace. I agree. I, I do agree. And I've been saying that for years that even, even if I'm not Christian, I've always felt that like, as soon as I did my first mushroom trip and came back, I was like, Jesus is the man. <laughs> All right. A hippie being followed around by a bunch of other hippies. Yeah. Okay. I see what's going on here. Yep. All right. Yeah. And just the way he <laughs> moved, man, was so inspiring. Like he would just ask <laughs> questions. He would just ask questions and he would just, he, like, he wasn't telling people what to do. He was literally asking questions that were so mind bending that it just made everything that they thought be changed you know and he would he would just tell made up stories that would just make you think you know it was like that's such the that's such a good example of how to live because right it's whenever you start telling somebody what to think you know they're immediately turned off by it right right and so yeah, exactly. that's been one thing i've been trying to emulate more is like how can i just whatever i want to say how can i make it a question or like a yeah, metaphor man. or something you know yeah uh our friend Chaney, she does that a lot and it, it kills it. It's so awesome. Like she'll put up this post and she'll like list about 15 questions. Like, who's this? What do they do? Where did they get all their money from? Like all these crazy. And you're just like, I don't know. I want to know. <laughs> that is yeah, the way awesome. to do it, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Okay. Back to your question about have I landed anywhere? And the answer is I haven't land i don't think i ever will until the end you know what i mean and i think that's part of it but at the same time i have an overwhelming feeling of both sides of it which is terrible and it <laughs> leaves me with horrible conundrums which keeps my podcast going <laughs> because seriously man my psychedelic trips dude one of them i literally experienced what it felt like to really remember everything and remember what was really going on behind all the illusion, not even just the program we get from the external world, but the program the ego gives and the program that like, yeah, it's just built into the process of growing up, the process of repressing things and seeing all the cycles, the cycles that you can manage, view from a more mature mind and change and evolve and other cycles that are just part of life that are constantly happening over and over again, every nanosecond over. To, so this ultra superposition perspective where it was like, okay, I understand now that this is absolute chaos without some sort of filter, this reality that we're in. And then another part of it was this endless, I guess I should call it a saga that was like, the saga a lot of people describe what joseph campbell talked about in you know the hero's journey where it's like this hero's path with all these archetypes and all these signposts and and important moments and, and turning points in the human mind are reflected out in these heroes we see in every single movie but that original hero is in every single one of us, right? So part of this psychedelic journey I've been on has shown me this God perspective, right? Like I was, I, I heard from God or what I perceived was God. And I kind of was able to understand that part. So we're all God, right? We're all part of God. We're all his children, if you will, or cells or whatever you want to call it. We're all one. And so it was from his perspective, I guess, for a few moments. And it was, to me, 
from that perspective, it was like I was experiencing that this is why God made us in his image. This is okay. He's also lost and confused. And he's also not sure what's going on. And he also has no idea how he's doing all of this. And that was astonishing to me. But, but, but let me take it a step further because I had that. But then I, which definitely keeps me thinking that we just go on and, and we're part of something much bigger, of course. The other part of my experience was that this feeling of winding down and this feeling of understanding everything. Maybe it goes back to what we were talking about, about the gifts, about you receiving that temptation of, of mystery, of, of, of answers, right? Maybe that's what was happening to me as well, where I was being shown what it would actually be like to understand all of it and every, all the mysteries. And it was the most depressing feeling and the most devastatingly sad trip or part of a trip I had ever had. I was in a void all alone, even though I had a few friends in the room. They were aliens at that point. They not physically, but I not <laughs> yeah, communi- I like, there was no communication. We were in distant universes. Um, and at that moment, I understood why death was okay if it was real because it meant it was like the real sleep it was like the war like the the most agonizing stressful chaotic day ever and you finally got to go to sleep or something like that it was very weird but it felt very natural and like a natural progression so it's like at once i understand maybe that was the ego right i don't know maybe i'm having that revelation you know slowly that that really is the ego slowly dying over and over and over and over again. You know, people say they kill their ego, but yeah, maybe nine times an hour you need to do that shit. <laughs> yeah. One thought that I had once that, I don't know, I felt like it helped me understand a lot was, or at least think I understand a lot um, <laughs> was, you know, if God was everything, all he has to gain is to give right it's like the if you're rich and everything it's not as enjoyable if you don't have somebody to share it with right and i think that's kind of how we got here it's like if god was everything if if this entity made it to this pinnacle point of existence at some point it's like really the best thing is to give and to create something new and to divide yourself essentially to share and I think that's kind of where we're at, you know, if we look at entertainment and pretty soon I think we're going to have entertainment that's very dynamic and it's like, imagine having a a show that you watch or something that totally changes based on what other people are doing or what you're thinking or something like that, you know, like, I think that's like the next step of, I'm not saying that we're just here for entertainment. I think it's more than that. I think it's about relationship, you know, like I said, um, in the Bible, it talks about God made man and man should not be alone. And so, you know, he made Eve. And so I think there is this sort of partnership that we're supposed to have with God and with each other. And I think that's one of the things that get sort of overlooked or maybe not given enough, um, enough credence, because I think that that is really the, the most enlightening you can 
be or the most um i think that's when you'll find the most peace is when you really try to have that relationship with god instead of just thinking you're god essentially if that makes sense yeah it does and this whole big huge point about giving um so two points one real quick one which is really cool is to the root language in box saga saga the word saga means to receive and to give so it means both or yes well sa and ga oh okay receive to give got it yeah. interesting Very That's super interesting. cool and it has levels on many meanings but um this idea of giving it's we were talking about psychedelics and the control of it here's an interesting point that you kind of brought me to the main message of jesus was was this giving that you talk about so were these harvard probably government controlled or loosely controlled hippies like ramdas talking about giving 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 everything living to serve living to serve your fellow man and maybe he got away from it maybe he was originally like maybe a lot of these things started out in the government's hands maybe they got away maybe it got away from it because we're talking yeah. about the human spirit right we're talking about us we're talking about the ones that have all the freaking power and we're just being tricked so man you give people psychedelics to use against others pretty soon they're going to realize they can't be doing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing that for their own damn selves, for their own good. Selfishness is selflessness is selfishness. You know, it's all the same thing because it all comes back around and we're all here together. Yeah. I think uh, it'll be interesting. I think that, you know, psychedelics have a way of, you know, that's what like MK ultra did, right? Like they were, they were having these tests of, giving them psychedelics and then seeing if they can sort of rewire them or, or you know yes. essentially brainwash them so i think they were were trying to do that but it backfired because they didn't have enough control yet that's yeah, kind of my, my theory failed. Yeah. i think it yeah. failed miserably and i think that's why there's so many sub mks underneath ultra i mm -hmm. i know that there were different projects in some cases but it was like they had to try everything and honestly have you ever seen that movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson? No. Great fucking movie. Patrick Stewart plays the MK Ultra bad guy, which is amazing, right? That's I mean, you got to check yeah. that. <laughs> but I think so Mel Gibson plays this crazy guy. He's a lunatic, raving about everything, and he's a MK Ultra victim in this movie. And I think that paints the perfect picture. So does Chapter 27 with Jared Leto about Mark David Chapman who shot John Lennon. Another supposed MK Ultra victim. These people, yeah, okay, Mark David Chapman killed his man. Fair enough. I'll give him that. But like these people all went crazy, man. And like most of them probably didn't achieve the goals that the government wanted them to achieve at all. You know, again, it's that human spirit. It's never under their control, it's just under their trickery and their sleight of hand. Yeah. Do you think it's, um, do you think these programs are still going on, but maybe they even got away from the government and they're more just like rogue agencies or um, even like secret organizations that are sort of doing these, using these same tactics? I kind of think of uh, the, the evil, if you want to call it that, if we want to establish that in, in government, in these agencies, I think it floats within and without government or, or corporations or, religions it's it seems to me like it 
is this metaphysical thing, right? It's Agreed. hard to get away from yeah. when you start to really try to trace it. You can trace it to the Kazarians and the Anunnaki or the Rothschilds or any of them. And they're all just subjects of, of something. It's the Hydra because you cut a head off and three grow back. None of it ever leads to anything. As soon as you try to grasp it, it's like grasping water and it just disappears. As much evidence as we might have against this one or this family or this bloodline even, it, it only traces back so far to something that was influenced by something else, right? And I wonder, and I'm not trying to take away from the metaphysical side of it. Again, I believe that things are happening physically and metaphysically at the same time. On a, physical, on a physical level, it's very interesting to think to ideas like Randall Carlson has. Uh, he does a presentation about Halloween where... And maybe it's just from his own research and maybe he's biased with the geological evidence and shit, but he's also a symbologist and he's obsessed with this kind of stuff. Isn't he and like he a high degree Freemason? Too? He sure is. Yeah. And again, I feel the same way that that evil floats within and without Freemasonry, anything yeah, powerful, sure. it's going to flow within and without. Again, the force from Star Wars was not evil just because Darth Vader touched it. Luke Skywalker needed it too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just Freemasonry is a vessel that was holding that, that wisdom that's been twisted just like any other organization. That's, that's my take, but I know it goes deeper than that. But anyway, yeah, you can't really pinpoint anything. It goes back possibly to this human thing, right? So Randall Carlson tells this story about the comet impact, right? A long, long time ago, but who knows if it was that it could have been whatever, destroyed us as a people you know possibly something like box saga like maybe we were all united that's not even the only all united story we have many of these all one people until this horrible cataclysm happened sometimes there's stories of like oh the atlanteans brought it on themselves but mostly it's a lot of these you know possibly provable in the near future crazy physical events that have happened to us and if an outside agent like that, like a comet, were to come in and disrupt a one nation, one love, whatever, at least a loosely based, you know, kind of society, whatever, it would immediately do what an abusive parent does to a three-year-old mind. So you look at that fractal idea from the individual to humanity, picture humanity as a human being. So what happens when something fucking horrible happens to a, like a three or four year old that's gonna remember it, at least on a subconscious level, and it's gonna do horrible things to that person's mind, right? And then if they don't deal with it, they're gonna pass it down or other traits. They're gonna create all kinds of horrible snaky patterns of negative behavior and thinking on an individual familial level. But what happens when an outside agent does that to humanity itself and puts narcissism into existence, puts abuse and, and suffering and worldwide devastation into perspective? I mean, that's just an interesting thing that I've been kind of playing with lately. But I am into the idea that the individual can reflect outwards to the humanity side of it and, and vice versa. 
we can kind of watch humanity behave as an individual grows up. You know, maybe right now we're in that rebellious teenage phase where we're finally starting to reflect on all the things our parents told us that may not have been true or not. I don't know. You know, that's just one side of it. I think there is some sort of aspect of like alchemy to this, right? Which is, you know, breaking down and then rebuilding it the way you want it, you know, essentially. And I don't know. I think that when we look within ourselves, we do find that truth. I think there is truth there, but we have to get rid of all the other programming, like you were saying, from our parents, our pastors, our friends, our TV shows, our teachers, you got to get rid of all that. And I think that you will find that peace and that truth if you do that. But I think what they're trying to do is sort of break it all down so that they can show you what they want you to believe. And by they, I just mean this other, I, I do think there is an entity that's outside of our existence and our dimension, if you want to call it that, that is sort of whispering to people, you know, telling them these thoughts. And if, if someone's not getting deeper within themselves, they could easily be um, swayed by by those thoughts and if we don't have that example which i think is why christ had to come into our world to give us that example so that we have it you know but an interesting thing i've been thinking about recently is the georgia guidestones and how you know they're supposed to be made to survive like any cataclysm and su- and stuff like that so if you think about you know a world that does get sort of wiped out or whatever there is a terrible catastrophe well, and what are the people who are left or the next generation going to see, right? They're going to see these ancient uh, tablets and these monoliths that seem very smart and seem very, you know, oh, they had such wisdom, right? We got to listen to it. We can only have 500,000 people, you know, or 500 million, I think is the number they have. And there's supposedly like 7 billion right now people on earth. I think you're muted, but. My bad. Yeah, dude, you're totally spot on with that, too. Because, like, yeah, they are using this symbolism embedded into their evil shit. You know what I mean? It's if if all this. So my take on, like, all the symbolism, you know, all the uh, you know sacred geometry and, and runes and whatever you. Any direction you want to take it. These and same with the pyramids too, structures that were built in those time periods. These are. Like I would say sacred geometry is literally the, the structure, the mathematics of our realm, whether it be a universe or whatever. But because of that, these ancient people learned that it's kind of like building their structures or living their lives with the flow of the universe within the same structure that the universe is made of or abides by the, the, the natural laws, perhaps, that building in this way. Uh, practicing in this way, speaking in all of the ways were were to go with the flow that's already existent on much more powerful levels than ourselves. Um, so of course, evil bastards are going to use that shit. You know, it's it's literally that's why I describe it like the force from Star Wars, because it is this underlying thing that is just true, but it can be used one way or the other. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you think that there's some aspect to 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 like Star Wars, for example, though, where maybe they're trying to make it so, yes, there's this force that could be used for good or bad, but it's still like, 
I don't know. I feel like you're still trying. It's like making people think that they can have these sort of powers that are still more physical than anything um, versus, you know, trying to just fix your spirit. Right. Because it's Star Wars. That's always been my whole thing is like it's it's still like it's it's twisted truth where it's like um, they're still using this power to fight, you know, instead of like just it's like Harry Potter, your enemy. Yeah. Yeah, and I love Harry Potter, you know, it, I the incredible writing, incredible characters, because I'm a movie freak. I love it, even though I know a lot of it's all programming and, and symbolism and shit. Still love it. But oh, yeah, yeah nothing it's, wrong it's, with that, I, the magic shit forever and ever and still to this day, there's not a single real like esoteric magic show that's talking about like people hexing each other and shit. It's all like wizards and, and like all these like, cgi magical powers and stuff like that it's always a a drastic exaggeration of what the truth is you know what i mean like it's weird that you'd find you know weird ancient civilization symbolism right in like a rom-com it's the weirdest fucking thing but it's like you'll find it there but not in indiana jones you know Mm -hmm. you'll find some weird shit about like elvis and indiana jones you know it's they just cross lines everywhere it's so ingenious yeah Yeah. i I don't know if i I answered your question (laughs) yeah kind of i mean i i guess my point is you know uh, a lot of the shows and stuff we watch when it's about magic or whatever it seems like it's usually about like manipulating this reality instead of actually i think the real magic that's more beneficial to humanity is is not anything to do with this reality but just like evolving your soul which is like i think everything that um, we sort of see or a lot of it that we see because you know you and i probably know that there's a lot of um I guess you could say mischief behind the the media behind Hollywood, right? Like yeah. Hollywood is the was a tree that they used to make the wands or whatever. I've heard. Yeah. Um, so and you know Bohemian Grove and but besides all the conspiracy stuff, like in the recent years, we've seen all of these producers come out and we know how evil they are and how they act, right? So. Oh yeah. I guess my point is just I think a lot of this is like you said programming, but if we know the difference, it's it's not going to affect us as much, but the multitude who aren't thinking on these levels are easily going to be swayed into thinking one way or the other. Yeah, who are those? Oh, yeah, all the people we care and love about and the reason why we're doing what we're doing, right? <laughs> right, which is why we need to figure out how to ask them the right questions. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I totally agree, man. Now you got me thinking of how how can I get Box Saga interesting to people like with questions? Yeah, no, I think people are going to be like, I don't know, I don't care, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or get them to ask the questions. That's even better. That's the next uh, yeah, I have one. I'll do it to your audience. And so maybe they'll look into it more. Have you ever considered that all Atlantis might be not a certain place, but many places in a time period? Yeah, that's good. I'll have to look into that. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> this has been really crazy, man. I would love to put this out on my channel, too, if you don't mind. Please do. This yeah, I would love great, that. It's been a great time. Yeah, man. I mean, we can end this whenever, but I'm having fun. Uh, there are a oh, couple yeah. other things. There are a couple other things I wanted to ask you about. I saw you tweet something about like uh, starting your seeds. Are you are you growing some things? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, this is our second year uh, growing our own food, and last year was our prototype garden. You know, 
and we learned a lot. We failed a lot. Um, but I mean, I say we, but it's mainly my wife, Kate, who is my co-host on, on deep healing. And uh, yeah, Kate, she's probably upstairs listening to (laughs) she, uh, yeah. So she has learned so much. She has such a green thumb now, just a year later. And it's mostly from a lot of our our failures, you know, you know, like didn't grow, didn't put this in the ground early enough or this or that. So many different things that you have to fail at first before you can like master it with anything. But yeah, gardening, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. What kind of climate are you in? If you don't mind me asking. We are in, she's going to kill me. I think we're in zone five, right? New England. So yeah, we're in Massachusetts. So it's like, you know, in summertime, it's really hot and humid and then it gets, uh, pretty cold as hell every other time of the year for the most part (laughs) do you know like how many months are like how many months do you actually have from when you can plant to like it's over (laughs) i wish i could call her down here see this is what this is what i mean when it's mostly her you know i'm i'm the the cheerleader i'm i'm mostly the support and the muscle behind digging and doing all the physical labor and shit yeah for sure. but um yeah i mean we have good weather from you know early april most of the time through early october september you know depending but that's the thing depending because new england's crazy and it just varies all the time you know i don't even think harp could control the weather around here if they (laughs) want to that's awesome do you do anything to uh sort of prepare for winter like do you dry anything or can anything or have you thought about that Yeah. So, I mean, we're still at such the early stages and we're living in a a suburb on a busy street with, uh, you know, a very small amount of property. So we have our four, eight foot by four foot garden beds. So we're just growing as much as we can in there and kind of along our back. So we don't have a lot where we're going to be able to sustain ourselves for like a whole season or something, but that is my wife's plan for this coming season. So let's fingers crossed, we'll be able to do that. Um, but that is our plan to can everything and dry things and store root vegetables as long as possible. I mean, potatoes are just from the grace of God, I would say. I love potatoes. (laughs) Yeah, man. Home fries forever. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have hopefully like a bunch of crates of potatoes next winter. So yeah, we're really excited. And the more she learns, the more I slowly learn. I mean, my head's in so many other things. It's hard to keep track of everything, but I'm slowly learning. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love it. That's my goal I was, is to eventually someday be able to do something like that. I'm still renting right now, but eventually I'll get my own property where we can we can grow some things. Absolutely. I would like to have some sort of system where it can be all year round. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we're renting right now too, man. I mean, we're we we bought a house, but that means we're renting <laughs> right, right you know you're always in debt so it's like we can't wait to get out of here and we're trying to go somewhere with more land more freedom of course more space so we can do all of that and my wife keeps kind of beckoning me self away from this climate because that way we can just grow so much more and for so much longer you know just that climate down in like the North Carolina area, that whole section of, of areas, just, you can just grow anything. <laughs> so and it, is it more, um, is it warmer like all year round in, in those climates? I think or? it is warmer all year. I think they get a little bit of cold, obviously, but it's not as bad as up here. So I think their growing season is much longer. I know the versatility of their, 
of what you can plant and grow down there is really vast too. So, and that's what we hope to do eventually with like deep healing. Eventually we'll probably take it out into the garden and stuff like that and be proactive with, you know, becoming better people for ourselves and for, for our family and everything, you know, and showing people what we're doing and everything. So we need more yeah, property to do that more fun. Yeah. I, I want to get more into this, but real quick, do you want to give a plug for that podcast too? Sure. Yeah. My wife and I started deep healing and uh, you can find it on most platforms at this point, but we only have a couple episodes out. Episode three will be out in either this week or next. We're not at any sort of consistent stage yet, but, but yeah, we're kind of just talking about our own paths through being awake and being wide the fuck awake together. And uh, my wife's journey through, through, um, through her healing and, and my own and, you know, our parenting us as a couple, we're just kind of laying it all out there and being as honest as we can with our audience about all of it and hoping that it inspires or helps anyone that might feel the way we do about things. That's awesome, so, yeah. man. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that takes you. And I need to, you said you have two episodes out now. Yes. Yes. Two episodes and, out now and the third to come soon. And are, that's its separate channel. Do you have a, a YouTube for that or is it just audio right now? So I do. Yeah. It's just, it's just audio. I'm not, we'll okay. go to video eventually. Like I said, we'll probably take it to, to more platforms and, and, and um, go out into the garden and do more fun stuff like that. But right now it's just an audio podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, what else were you asking? Oh no, that, that pretty much yeah, sums it up. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes for sure. Yeah, um, man, so South Carolina, is that where you're saying you're kind of looking or no, I was just giving an example that she's kind of, you know, convincing me that, you know, maybe going South might be a good idea. I'm, yeah. I like climbing mountains and I am very close to mountains that I've grown up climbing in New Hampshire. So it's hard to, to leave. And I have thought about moving North to New Hampshire for a long time too, because they have a big uh, population of free staters up there that are basically trying to just repeal the whole government, which is awesome. So nice. Okay. Getting pulled in two different directions. It's kind of like that psychedelic experience, you know? Yeah, for sure. Being in both. It's all fractal, works. man. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, this has been great. Uh, was there anything else that you had on your mind recently? Not much. <laughs> just all of that shit yeah but well, yeah man i mean <laughs> we should definitely do more of these i'd love to have you on my uh, on my show uh with a couple other people in like a round table at some point uh maybe have you on on the witness which is my premium show coming out where we're going to be talking about this stuff that we talked about tonight for the most part uh Sweet. with a bunch of to. us putting our heads together from different angles talking about paranormal experiences uh alien abductions outer body experiences and kind of seeing what kind of umbrella it goes under. And I think we covered a lot of the same material tonight too, you know? Yeah, I would love that. Let me know. Happy to join. Are Absolutely. you, uh, are you starting up a Rockfin too? I am on Rockfin. I have, I'm having some technical difficulties okay. with uploading and I just haven't revisited it recently, but I think once I'm putting out witness episodes, I'll probably put out something to do with the witness on Rockfin as its own thing. Sweet. Like, uh, like one-on-ones with uh, some deep talk about that kind of stuff, like something like this. Okay, so. cool. So lots to look forward to from Andy Rouse from the Deep Share podcast. Make sure to check him out. 
on YouTube and other platforms. And yeah, is there anything else you want to leave the people with before we sign off? Just follow your gut, follow yourself. Don't believe everything or anything that anyone tells you. And especially don't believe everything that you tell yourself either. That's great advice. All right, man, this has been great. I love you. I look forward to doing this again. And thank you everyone for listening and watching. And we will see you all in the next one. In the life, got him shaking in the booth. The truth is in the life, got him shaking in the booth. But I'm praying for him, praying for him, praying for him too. Get the spirit straight before the clouds are parted.